Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. friends hello i am shen and i'm eating i'm joking i'm lay <laughs> but i'm welcome also back as per usual yeah and welcome back to the while they nap podcast welcome friends mom life always multitasking um, but it is what it is i know right it's just like trying to get a million things done trying to coordinate schedules like with your significant other it's just, it's, it's, yeah. I was just in the kitchen. I was literally sweating. Not because the AC wasn't bumped in my kitchen, not because the windows weren't open, but just because I was trying to do 17 million things at one time yeah. <laughs> and also trying to do them quietly because Yara is sleeping. So she's like sleeping, I don't know, steps away. So I'm literally trying to get all these things done. But I suppose uh, that's just, that's just what it is, right? That's the life that we live. <sighs> one day, you know, when we're 87, we'll be rested. <laughs> And relaxed and just living it up. It's <laughs> just living it up. <laughs> when we when we 88 and our boobs are down to our ankles and we're on a beach, we'll just be kicking it. You know. <laughs> um, and it'll be while they nap, but instead it'll be us napping. It will also be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the seniors edition. <laughs> Anyways, friend, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. I I don't even know. I'm just trying to organize my life. I feel like I'm back in that stage again <laughs> where I used to complain about like losing control of my life and not being organized and it's just like getting out of hand. It's like, oh my God, I just worked so hard to get it to a point. I get it there and then like back to square one. Yeah. So, is this what it's going to be like? A constant race to organize myself? Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like it's going to come in waves, right? Like, I feel like there's going to be definitely seasons where you feel like you're on top of everything. You're super organized. You're checking off things off your checklist. And you're like, yeah, I'm badass. And then there's going to be other times where you're like, what's happening? Like, am I sinking? Am I drowning? Can I breathe? (laughs) Yeah. There's just too much. So grant yourself graces. Yeah. You know, every time I um, just feel overwhelmed, I kind of remember that episode that we did with uh, Michelle about balance. Mm. And I just remember her saying that like, you're never, like, you're never going to actually find the perfect balance. Yes. That it's constant. And I'm just trying to make sure that I just maintain a level of sanity, really. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Where I can just effectively get things done mm-hmm. and be able to relax and find, you know, some form of a balance with, you know, home life, married life, being a mom and being a professional and entrepreneur. Like it's, it's a lot, but also it's fine. At yeah. least I'm being productive. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a blessing to have these many responsibilities, you know, to be yeah. able to wear those many hats. Like you have to look at that too. So you're quite fortunate in that respect. I value my downtime a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Enjoying my alone time. And now I get to uh, reinforce it and demand it now. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> forgot. Was it two episodes ago? You say when you're alone, you like to slatch TVs naked. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of nude <laughs> nights in front of the TV. Hello. <laughs> nude nights and trash TV is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so how are you doing? Ah, girl, you know, you just, <laughs> you know, child, just uh, trying to stay afloat. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm, I can't really complain. I'm 
Leon and I are like, you know, trying to get our groove with everything, with scheduling, with all these different like responsibilities, different things being thrown our way. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just like trying not to stress too much. I'm still like trying new recipes, which is really fun too. I thought that once like things like let up a bit with COVID, we would eat out more, but I still find myself cooking as often as I did before and like really trying new things. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that too, because you go to Lay's house, she's always cooking. <laughs> you will get a plate. And just I didn't, pop on by at any time. You know what? It's so I never even thought that that would be me because that's my mom. And I used mm -hmm. to look at her like, oh, girl, like always behind the <laughs> stove. Like that is not for me. And now like legitimately like my friends come and I'm just like, hey, would you like a uh, hoisting sauce with that? Do you want a, a little dash of dill to <laughs> accompany your salmon? Like what am I doing? No sandwiches over here, friend. She's giving us full plates. Mm, maybe sometimes. <laughs> Don't worry. We still eat, we still eat bully beef over here. <laughs> For those of you who are not Caribbean, that is like canned corned beef. Corned beef. And it is from diddly umptious. And very salty. It is. It's insanely salty, but you know, good. I like it. A Jamaican's traveling food. True. That too. <laughs> and a Samoans too. I learned that on 90 Day Fiance. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out oh, to our 90 day fan. I know. <laughs> oh my god, we could go down that road forever. I, I was going to, but I'm like, you know, that's a for another episode. That's, that's not for another episode. Definitely. It's not. If it was just the two of us, then fine. But today, friends, we have another awesome guest. Um I'm gonna let her introduce herself because I will I will not do her service um justice. But nonetheless, we have Aaliyah here. Aaliyah, please let us know how you're doing. And uh, yeah, welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much, ladies. No it's problem. Honored to be here in this space with both of you. I mean, oh. Aaliyah just gasped the shit out of our heads. Like she was just yeah. like <laughs> telling us how much she loves the show. And we were like, well, that's just crazy. We're like, me? Yeah. <laughs> that's so flattering. It literally it never is. grows old. I love it so much. So I'm so, we're equally as enamored by you. So we're happy yeah. to be here. Oh, thank you. I mean, the concept's brilliant and so relatable while they nap and all the things that we do when they are is, oh yeah, huge fan. <laughs> awesome. So first, tell us how you're doing. How's your week been? I'm doing good. I'm so tired today. My seven-year-old had a sleepover and it was, it was, it didn't go well. <laughs> they were up half the night. So I'm here with bags under my eyes. Um, <laughs> but you survived. I did. I survived. And I feel like you, if anyone can relate, you ladies can. Yeah. No the mom life, right? The mom. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. For sure. The sleepless nights. No, oh, she took one yeah. for the team. Um, I know. <laughs> really stuck it out even when you know your friend your daughter's friend was like I want to go home you we were still like no we're gonna we're gonna get through this and that that takes a lot a lot of patience mm -hmm. and a lot of commitment That's so kudos to you girl thank you I know yeah I was sharing with you ladies before we started recording about how I felt in solidarity to the mom that I really had to rough it out unless it was like absolutely necessary <laughs> you had to go home I was rubbing her back. I was whispering. I was doing everything to just oh my gosh. give this mom a night. I know how it is. Oh, so. that's so nice. Yeah, I know. Honestly, you deserve a big glass of wine. That's so kind. Listen, I don't know if this mom, your that mom, listens to the show, but if she does, Aaliyah needs to be nominated as your bomb mom. Yeah, <laughs> because listen, that that is that is solidarity. If I've ever heard or seen it. Um, perfect segue. Speaking of bomb yeah. moms. <laughs> you know that I love a good segue. That was great. <laughs> um, Shen, do you want to go first? Do you have a nomination this week? Well, you, you, I mean, you have yeah. to. So yeah, I have no choice. <laughs> but yes, I do. Um, I'm going to nominate uh, Dana Bolden. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's a oh. lifestyle beauty beauty uh, blogger. Even though she doesn't like to refer to herself as a uh, influencer. Mm -hmm. she likes to call herself a change agent she kind of has built a community of uh encouraging people to reach for their goals positive thinking and you know living a, a positive lifestyle and mm -hmm. i just love her page um 
she documents her life with her family. She has two kids and she's a wife. So I, you know, I relate to her and I just love everything that she does. So I had to shout her out. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to go right ahead, you are more than welcome. The bomb mom that I'm nominating is Afia Francisco and she resides in Toronto. She's a stylist and um, a, an influencer as well. Cool. Um, she, yeah, she does a lot of um, affordability style so to and she also does um styles that are um beyond just trends so really how to dress for your body type for uh, mm-hmm. your yeah your personality she does a fantastic job and um she also has two boys so i really admire her um ability to do the to do her mom thing and then also kill it in her industry so athea francisco and you can find her on on instagram at athea francisco very that's cool. really cool i want to check her out Sounds yeah like awesome. mm-hmm. i want to damn i want to nominate her i'm just not 100 percent sure how to pronounce her name so <laughs> uh i think her name is aza it's a-s-s-a i don't want to say aza i think it's aza let's just call her she goes by my curves and curls. And I love that. So she's on Instagram. Uh, yeah, her name is, um, my curves and curls on Instagram. Uh, so she's got three boys and I, I just absolutely adore like the aesthetic of her Instagram. If you check it out, like I'm sure you'll feel the same way. It's really pretty. Right. Um, so I love that she pays homage to her culture. I believe she's of like, um, African background, but I'm not, I'm like, I'm not hundred percent sure what specific country, but nonetheless, um, I, I see that she's paying homage to that, like sometimes by like the headdresses that she'll wear or the prints that she'll wear, which I love. Um, she's like, so like her, everything, like from the aesthetic of her home to her children. And like, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, like array of images. She's also like a full figured woman too, which I think is so beautiful because I think, um, you know, we need to see more of that, more of not just women, but mothers embracing the curves that they get, they have before and after um, having babies. And I feel like she's so great at doing that. So yeah, I've, I've liked her things on my personal Instagram for a long time. We're also following her on Wild Day Nap. And I just like, it was, mm-hmm. I think it was yesterday or the day before I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> one of those like, days you know what I mean I'm like you're, at that point you're embarrassed because you're like oh my god please don't let me like this picture from 2017 it's gonna be so <laughs> <laughs> so you want to oh keep looking god. but you're like just so lightly tapping like the phone because I'm <laughs> so freaked out and so worried but that's legitimately where I was with it because I was just so enamored by her so my curves and girls you are my bomb mom thank you for showering our timelines with so much beauty I love um, her home style. Jeez. Right? Yes. This is a one to follow for sure. <laughs> I feel the same way. I was like, wow, how do I not? Because, you know, Instagram and those stupid algorithms always changing Ugh. what you can and can't see. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know we're following her and I'm like, I just feel like I don't see enough. I of never her. see that. Listen, and I get it. Like she's, I, I think very much your aesthetic too, uh, Shen, like with the black, oh, yeah. white cream. Oh, oh yeah. It's just, I'm here for it. <laughs> it's oh, good. Yeah. It's really pretty. So yeah, that's my mom now. Uh, friends, I know you're listening. <laughs> Please continue to nominate bomb moms. It's so easy to do yes. so. You can literally do so by sending us a DM on our Instagram, um, which, or you can send us a DM on Facebook, or you can head right to whilethenap.ca. <laughs> so tired. And uh, yeah, con- like go to the contact us feature and then you can just send us a little note there. So no excuse yeah. not to nominate someone that you know or don't know, but admire. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And it's a nice thing to do. Right? I'd feel great if I just randomly saw someone appreciating the work that I do as a mother. It would make me feel great. It would make my day go a lot better. So do Agreed. that nice deed for a mom in your life. It's great. It will make them feel great. It's please, true. please, please. Um, speaking of motherhood, <laughs> yeah, more segues. Queen of segues. <laughs> <laughs> I want a mug. You yeah. know, my birthday's coming up. Give me what I want. <laughs> um, so Aaliyah is here. Um, 
not just because she's a mother and, you know, a fantastic one at that who sees it for other mothers and takes care of their kids <laughs> and allows them to come for sleepovers. Um, but she's here because Aaliyah is a doula. So mm-hmm. it's been, I'm so curious about the role of a doula. I did a little bit of research when I was pregnant. Um, I did go with a midwife. So in going with a mid, with, with midwifery, I wasn't 100% sure that I really needed the partnership of a doula but I think the more and more I like come to know about doulas the more I think I'm like oh well I didn't why why would you not Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they're so awesome so um yeah Aaliyah before you even tell us about what you do and all that great stuff just tell us a little bit about yourself sure thank you for that introduction (laughs) um so I wear many different hats in my organization I am the founder and creator of Molo Baby and it's an acronym for Mother's Love. And it was really inspired oh. during my oh. pregnancy with my first daughter nine years ago. Nine years oh, ago. Wow. Wow. Uh, and it was really um, uh, based on the care that I received during my labor and delivery with my first daughter, Kennedy. Um, I oh, also didn't have name. a doula. Kennedy, yeah. I also wow. didn't have a doula, but my... Um, midwives were so supportive. I had such mm-hmm. a, a great experience. Is that your situation too, Lele? Yeah, absolutely. Like my, I had three, like, cause you know, you cycle for three and each right. one of them are phenomenal. I'm like, I don't care which one of you are there to help deliver this baby. I just feel so safe and so loved by you all. So it was really nice. Exactly. And okay. I don't know how long I have to introduce myself. So just cut me off if I'm going. No, go for it. Go for it. Okay, thank you. So I really realized that after um, my empowered and phenomenal birth with my first daughter, that in conversations with friends, which often they would initiate because um, I wouldn't, just because I know that the birthing room can be such a converse, uh, controversial conversation among women, mm-hmm. our birth choices and that. And so in conversations with my girlfriends, I recognized that people actually did not believe that I had the birth that I was recalling to them. They would, they would just thought it was unmedicated. It was a home birth. Um, I recalled it with such, um, like I loved my birth so much that they were like, I think you're sugarcoating it after the fact, <laughs> right? Like there's no way that yeah, you it's... loved your birth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I would be one of those skeptics. <laughs> Having the birth that I Fair. had, like, it would be me. I would be a skeptic. Fair. And you, and you weren't alone. And, and so I really realized too that my introduction into a supported birth by midwives was through my um, exposure to my sister. So my sister, who is a couple years older than me, had mm-hmm. um, an unmedicated home birth for her first, for my nephew. And I just recall, it was before I had any children of my own, remember, I recall coming into her space as soon as her and her husband were ready for us to. So they designed when visitors came. She was in a dimly lit bedroom in her own house. The wow. three of them nestled together. She had nothing attached to her. She wasn't, there wasn't flashing lights coming in and out. She, there wasn't people, there weren't people prodding and poking her unnecessarily for protocols. And it was just embedded in my mind. I was like, I want a birth like that. Mm. And I had never seen birth depicted in that way, ever. Anything that I had seen emulated about birth was in um, popular media. And it was always like puffing, puffing. That's right. And it was like a whole production. And I thought, wow, this is, um, this is incredible. And if I ever am so lucky to have a child of my own, I would love to, um, know more about this option. Yeah. And, and because, because of that linked and then come, you know, past a few years and then my own birth, that, that was such a, um, uh, great experience for myself. I realized that had it not been for a personal um, exposure myself, I would have known no different than how society portrays birth. Mm. And so I felt compelled to at least allow women to know that there are options. True. And then once you inform yourself, then you choose what that birth looks like for you, right? Um, but it's just important to have a choice because when you're making decisions without knowing their options, then that's not a real choice. That's true. That's true. Right? That's not a real choice. And so 
um, society really portrays birth as this, you know, really uh, dramatic, um, highly medicated and managed experience. And it doesn't have to be that way. So I really became passionate about informing women. And so I did my training to become a doula. So I looked into what it meant to be a doula mm -hmm. uh, versus a midwife and what that support looked like versus uh, midwife support. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then from there, my interest grew into essential oils. So I'm now an essential oil educator as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a, a yoga, meditation and movement um, instructor. And I do hypnobirthing. I'm a hypnobirthing practitioner. Oh, I look into that. I really wanted to do that, but I, I just discovered it so late on that yeah, I was like, true. okay, I, I, I was like, at this point, I was like, fine, like it's happening. And I felt like I'm just going to mentally prepare for it. And I watched a lot of hypnobirthing videos Same. and I promise you those were key for when I was feeling a lot of pain, even when I thought I was going to sink into the earth. Yeah. I was like, you know wow. what? <laughs> and that's the only way I could explain the feeling when I yeah. first felt my contractions. I thought I was getting dragged into the earth. And a lot of the practices that I listened to in the hypnobirthing series was so helpful. And that's the only thing that let me keep my cool. Wow. And let me calm down. And honestly, uh, overall, even though you guys have heard my birthing story and I did it in a dramatic way, in hindsight, I think my birthing experience was amazing and I had no complaints it was quick <laughs> and for my first birth I was like it, that's it I'm done I mean it took a lot out of me but overall it was an amazing experience for me that's incredible mm -hmm. I love that's that really, yeah <laughs> that's fabulous so I'm, yeah yeah go ahead however our babies come into this world is uh, absolutely extraordinary. So hats mm -hmm. off to those of us who have had eventful births or highly medicated experiences. I mean, if you've, you know, if you've undergone that, undergone that experience, then my hats off to you. I celebrate all women and all and all birthing stories. Really, I love that because I feel like sometimes there's such a nasty hierarchy, and the mommy mafia is like, oh, you had this or you had that. But like, I think that was one of the things that I loved about you know, going with midwifery and also um, being able to take advantage of the midwifery unit at Markham Civil Hospital was that like, I had the option. Like my midwives were like, mm -hmm. you can use medication or not. It's your choice. And I loved feeling like I had a choice. No, not everyone is aware of doulas and midwives. And if you can explain to our listeners what it is and what you do, and also what the difference is between midwifery and having a doula because I didn't know the difference yeah I almost I in the beginning I just thought they were the same thing to be honest mm -hmm. um so a lot of our listeners we do have listeners that are pregnant right now so it'd be great to have this information for them to hear and know the difference and again giving them the uh, informed choice opposed to just going to the hospital Shen may I just say that I'm like blown away by your beauty oh thank you you're you're like captivating. I mean, I've seen you on social, but in per like, I'm just okay. So I just had to pause and share. Wow. And you know what? Today I felt like I felt like a mess because I didn't comb my hair. I had to put this on my head because I was like, I don't want people to see. Right. Well, thank all you. That made that was that was, a that was a compliment that I need today. Oh, <laughs> thank oh. you. Myself. That was so nice. <laughs> what a loving thing to say. I'm going to continue you. to feed my child, but please. Hi, Beansy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, so the difference between, and Lay, I mean, same to you as well. You weren't here. And yeah, absolutely. No, I'm serious, you guys. And Lay's got a baby on her leg as she's holding this interview. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm nominating both of you moms. <laughs> 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 the difference between a midwife and a doula is a common question because uh, yeah. both are birth attendants. So the difference is that a midwife is a medical practitioner that is there to monitor the status of your birth and throughout your pregnancy as well. A doula mm -hmm. is there to support you and your partner if you have one and choose for them to be there through um, the later stages of your pregnancy and your uh, birth experience as well as postpartum are options. So you can hire a doula 
specifically for prenatal support, which is um, something that MOLO offers, the organization that, that I've, my organization, MOLO, I have catered it so that you can have, so let me just break this down quickly. There are some people who have, um, yeah. this is their second or third birth. And yeah. so they really want the intimacy of the birthing room to be between them and their partner, but they want that prenatal support. And so they want the reminder of the affirmations, the breathing techniques, their birth plan, um, and all of those kind of things. So they will hire exclusively just for prenatal. And then there's some people who want just the support during birth. And then there's others who want the postnatal support with nursing, baby carrying, um, and any kind of uh, meal prep, any support that they really like. And there's a, a long list of support that is offered through postnatal doula support. Whoa. And then the most common client is that who wants the whole package. So I'm a maternity specialist. So I will, I offer prenatal birth and postnatal support. My support includes um, that to the partner as well. So where is your medical practitioner? And I support um, women and women, people who identify as women in the birthing room. Um, uh, whether they're being supported by a midwife or an OB. So your medical practitioner can be an OB and it can be a midwife and doula will support you in both. I also will support um, medicated births. I will support hospital setting, birthing center and home births. So my support is really to know what the person I'm supporting is going into it. So the prenatal appointments are about them um, articulating to me and, and letting me know what it is, what kind of support they're looking for, whether they want dim lights, whether they want to be offered medication or not. Um, I advocate on their behalf. So I really have a relationship with them going into it to know how to best advocate on their behalf. Advocacy is physical, emotional support and informational support. So what doulas don't do is I won't diagnose. Um, I do not give medical um, advice. What I will do is I will inform you about the benefits and the potential risks of an option. And then I provide you with information for you to make that choice on your own. And then I support you through your choice. Awesome. Very cool. I have a very quick question that can probably yeah. be answered super fast. If you are categorized as a high risk pregnancy patient, can you still have the support of a doula? Absolutely. And I arguably it's even more important if you do. I agree. Yeah. right? Because then you still want that advocacy. So then I love that question because we often think as women that um, if we are high risk or if we're in um, a situation where it's a hospital birth or what it is, that that means um, giving over your power completely. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. That at all, you are still um, and should be a, a huge component of the decision-making of your own labor and delivery in so many different ways. So you can still um, have advocacy on the environment. So the temperature in the room, the lighting of the room, um, how to be kept comfortable. The, um, we do, I do something called the depple hip press during, can, during surges, which is a word that we use. Yes. Contractions <laughs> and hypnobirthing. Yeah, which is really great because it's opening up the pelvis, but at the same time, it's that tension on the hips is taking away from the um, pressure of the surge in the abdomen. So there's lots of ways you can still receive support in a, in a, um, in a high risk situation. So uh, seeing how you work so closely with mothers, um, the, how has the pandemic affected your work right now, especially with going into hospitals and, you know, being that support for people in the birthing room, has that affected you in any way? Um, yes, it has. I think like a lot of us who are navigating the virtual world of support, mm -hmm. um, it, it took some getting used to because mm -hmm. for me, um, being in person is a huge component of my service. Mm -hmm. The tactile part of it is a huge component. So with the distancing, that was, um, that was challenging. Yeah. However, yeah. However, you can still maintain, um, a supportive role and relationship virtually with your clients. So um, checking in over Zoom for the prenatal, um, for the prenatal uh, meetings, mm -hmm. appointments, prenatal mm -hmm. appointments. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so that's, that's still available. And then if it's a home birth or the birthing center, then I can continue to support physically or was able to. So now that we're in phase three, doulas can now 
a company in the hospital once again. Okay. That's opened back up to the, um, from the one support person rule that mm-hmm. was during the midst of it. Um, well, that's nice. It's nice. Yeah. So I was providing a lot of text, text support as well as, um, um, uh, remote support. So that would look like the partner calling in coaching through, um, audio. Yeah. That's, that seems difficult, man. That seems it's different. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Very I, different. I personally would seeing how much I needed someone to physically be there as like as support. And I feel like that would be so difficult to just have someone on the phone with me. And it's such a huge difference not having someone physically like touching me and helping me and supporting me. Like I needed that. I needed someone to like, you know, tell me to relax my hips and like hold, you know what I mean? So I couldn't imagine like how interesting people's birthing process was during COVID. For sure. I know. And what I would tell to a lot of, Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something like, no, no, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And what I did say to, um, offered to women I was supporting is to, um, celebrate some of the advantages of being in quarantine, which were, um, particularly in postpartum that, you know, there tends to be this sort of culture of being polite as women as well. And so we get inundated with guests and visitors and people touching the baby. And it's so difficult post postpartum to advocate for not so many people. Can you guys relate to that yes not definitely. wanting right yeah and all the visitors coming in and you want to be polite because they're so excited to see the baby and you don't yeah. know how to say no well that kind of eradicated that whole conversation because the decision was made for you yeah. so it allowed you and um your unit whatever that looks like whether you had a partner or not to just really come in and let that time be about you and that was there was no conversation to be had you just yeah. that was a built-in um opportunity for you to nest in that way so um you know, always, always trying to highlight, um, the benefits of a situation along with, you know, being honest about the, the mm-hmm. challenge. And there were challenges, yeah. but not like even me as the support person, mm-hmm. my preference is to be there in person. Yeah. I, I definitely imagine. think that makes sense. Yeah. The nature of your job is to be hands-on and to be supportive. So I can imagine that being distant would make you feel like, you know, you're really supporting, Right. Like, I mean, of course, what you're doing is still beneficial and useful, but I think that being there in the trenches is like, that's what you do. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of leads to the second, the, the, my, I guess our third question, which is about like black women and first nations women and advocacy. And we know like these very alarming rates of like infant mortality and, you know, um, you know, just mother mortality, like people, a lot of black women and first nations women die in during childbirth and delivery and a lot of the the statistics that we've seen are american um i guess i'm still waiting for more of those canadian stats but i wouldn't be surprised if the numbers were fairly similar so now we've kind of talked about why it's beneficial for everyone to perhaps have a doula but specifically for women of color um you know black women in particular why might be having a doula really really helpful Thank you for that question, Leigh. Oh, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That question is such an important one. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of um, race-based data in, as it pertains to women in labor in Canada. It's, mm-hmm. a, real, um, it's a real area to, uh, of opportunity to grow that data because we don't have it. So whereas in the States, we can really measure the disparity of of Black women and Indigenous in the birthing room, we don't have such data in Canada. So it's really, um, for me, like a case by case. And, you know, in terms of my experiencing that, um, it's really what I've personally seen in the more than it is a statistic that I can speak to directly because the measurables are there. 
they just aren't there. That's scarier yeah. though. Yeah. There. Yeah. There. What yeah. I can say, what I can say though, is that there are still prejudices, particularly to pain tolerance of black women in particular. So you want to be aware of that. Um, as a black woman going into labor, black indigenous or a person of color, you want to be aware of that stigma around particularly black women about pain tolerance. Um, there's also, you know, at the crossroad of of being a mar being marginalized by race. There's also the line of poverty as well. So if you hit that intersection between the two, then there's even more disparity in terms of the support that you're receiving, receiving in terms of believability. So there's been reports of people um, not being believed about their health history in the black community. So yeah, um, um, that there is a, a, a perceived, um, um, a perceived notion that they're not the experts in their own body and so really dismissing mm -hmm. concerns right which is uh very dismissive mm -hmm. and and this is a problem in childbirth across the board particularly in communities of color um and so in your question about having advocacy a doula there is that you have someone who's trained to um again who's been working in close proximity with you in close yeah. communication about what your plan is going into it. So what does that look like? Do you want to be asked to be given medication um, if you're coping really well? Do you, um, do you want to have suggestions of, um, of management when things are going well? Do you, you know, we go through the brain of it. So it's the benefits, the risks, um, the, uh, ach the achievements of it, brain. Um, what is your intuition telling you? And then the, op the option to do nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So we go through those things. Um, and then, so that gives them, the, so that gives um, women a language to use, like what are the benefits of what you're suggesting right now? Um, what are the risks of that? If I continue the way that I'm going, what are the risks in that continue? So really empowering themselves with language to be the yeah. advocate role behalf and then having me there to advocate on their behalf so that they can really focus on what's what they should be which is delivering their baby delivering their baby yeah. their baby without yeah. having to worry if they're being discriminated against that added pressure of that mm -hmm. uh, is unnecessary so um, it's really nice to have a support person who's been working with you prenatal to know what it is you're looking for and to advocate as such and as a person of color myself um, as a black woman um, I have that added lens to have a vested interest in the experience yeah. of these women. Yeah, I really do. It's so true because not everyone knows how to advocate for themselves. And yeah. Everyone, like I, I, with my experience, like the first half of when I knew I was going into labor and I'm very in tune with my body. So I know when something feels different and yeah. I've just, my husband knows that I'm very in tune. So I've coached him leading, <laughs> leading up to my delivery date. I'm like, listen, I might not be able to speak or function. So you need to know these key things. So yeah. if I cannot speak for myself, you need to speak for me. And we went over every scenario possible <laughs> so that he knows what my decision or what our decisions are. And I felt very comfortable knowing that I had that kind of support system, even though I kept it together enough to speak for myself. But when I did go to the hospital the first time, they were like, there's no way you're having a baby. You're yeah. fine. And I'm like, there's no way I'm fine if I can't stand up. It's mm -hmm. just, it's not a thing. I was like, I know my body. If I'm fine, then I'm, I'll act fine. But if I'm not fine, then I'm telling you I'm not fine. Mm -hmm. And we kind of went back and forth. But eventually I was just like, you're not going to serve no purpose for me right now. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and do what I need to do to ensure that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And I did go home and then came back when the sh there was a shift change. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was a different story. I, I had a much better service with different people. But yeah, you have to really advocate for yourself. Because they'll just tell you it's not a big deal. Like, whatever. Like, some people yeah. just don't, don't care. or They don't believe you or they think you're exaggerating. So I do, I definitely, that resonates with me. You definitely need someone to advocate for you if you cannot advocate for yourself, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It is fair. It's it's scary. Those I think that they just had released a report today. I think we I reposted it to the page about mm-hmm. um, like babies are like three times more likely to die if they have non uh, black doctors. Like that is a very frightening thing. Like I can't even imagine as a black American woman reading that potentially pregnant I can't even imagine that like that yeah. if I don't if I'm not under the care of a black physician that like there's a higher chance that my child may die because the incentive to look after my child the um, attention being paid to me and you know my 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 ailments or you know my my pleas for help are just being disregarded it just seems ridiculous to me and it's kind of damning because i think with all that's happening with anti-black racism and everything that we're seeing in the media um and still having to prove to people that racism is a very real thing um you know these kinds of things like come up and not only do they like kind of substantiate what we've been saying but they prove like how difficult racism really is to like you know to eradicate because it's not just these very like loud obnoxious like shouts and slurs it's like woven into so many systems that you can't not use like (laughs) many of these women like you know don't recognize that like they have other options like you know to to Aaliyah's point so it's like okay I'm pregnant I'm gonna go to the hospital and then they're under the care of people who like don't have their best interest in mind so um I mean I think that there's definitely a growing um like a growing understanding of doulas and and midwives. I remember when I told my family who are Jamaican that I was having, <laughs> using a midwife, they were not having it. <laughs> really? My mom was like, what? Midwife? She's like, what is this? 1925? Like, she's like, <laughs> not having it. She's like, so what? We're going to give birth barefoot upon the kitchen floor? Like, she was just like asking all these random things. It was just crazy. It was getting, and then I told them that I was doing research on doula. And my dad's like, doula, doula, doula. <laughs> like, it was just too much. It was too much. I'm like, okay, you're not ready for this. You're, you're clearly not ready. We're not ready to have this conversation. Um, yeah, but it's, it's common, right? Like, I'm sure, like, you've, you've experienced maybe that or at least have had to, like, you know, help people kind of, like, wrap their heads around on what it is and that it's not this, like, really ancient, weird thing, but yet it's very, very modern, very useful and um like not strange in the least oh absolutely and the people who tend to have the biggest comments about it are men and you're like yeah. you don't, you don't <laughs> get a say in this like you're just yeah. not even why is this not a conversation for you to have and as well intended as it can be because it's usually surrounded about fear yeah and concern mm-hmm. um the research is there the research yes. There and um, midwives, if you're if you are looking to have a home birth, research it. It's all there. They they carry as much equipment as you would receive at a rural hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they come there with just you know a towel, <laughs> oils and prayer beads. <laughs> yeah, that's a, my mom. Like literally, my mom. towel. <laughs> <laughs> right, like they're not. They these are trained specialists in their. Um, in their fields and mm. to your point about um the disparity about um of for black women in the u.s in particular it, it's also a system that also doesn't readily have a lot of black surgeons and so mm. you're under this double predicament that your safety is sort of based on receiving a black surgeon and then there aren't any for you to receive or it's, a, yes. it's right because um of a system that's not hiring these capable um mm-hmm. that are able to do it so um, it really is about being informed and knowing, um, advocating on your own behalf. And the only way to advocate on your own behalf is to be informed about your options. True. So it's about getting the word out there. Um, that's a big part of my work is just allowing women to know that there are options and that, um, at the end of the day, it's you, it's for you to choose, but do it from a place of, of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, so I would say going back to the original question, the uh, prejudice within the birthing room in Canada is a lot more um, insidious and uh, covert than it is overt um, in the mm-hmm. U.S. And because we don't have the measurables, it really is um, your own account of, of you know, of, of what you experienced in that mm-hmm. care. And, and a doula will help with that because you have someone who is um, in their critical thinking that's able to advocate on your behalf. Yeah. 
And I can imagine that a doula, like, you know, like if I was a, as a black woman, I would imagine that I would feel more even co like confident with a black doula. But I'd imagine like even just the role and the nature of a doula, I think yeah. that even a non-black doula also would still be, I think that you just, you'd fare better by having, because I think that there's like the approach is different. Like I think that, and again, I'm speaking not knowing and not having an experience with a non-black doula, but I'm just thinking that I'm hoping anyway, that like with that holistic approach, with that really genuine, sincere, like trying to build a rapport and a true relationship with like your client that I feel like, yeah, that they would be there and really try and support you and, you know, try and pick out and, and um, identify those biases so that you're not in danger and you feel cared for. Interview your doulas, you know, start mm -hmm. looking for your doula, like as soon as you're pregnant or 10 weeks into it, as early True. as you want, that you can really um, establish that relationship from the get-go and you get to decide if you're getting that vibe from someone and you'll know and, and trust that. And then don't choose someone who doesn't feel like they are going to advocate on your behalf the way that you want them to. You know, you're absolutely um, within your right to to interview and to ensure that you have that connection. This is one of the most important experiences of your life. So yeah. um, invest in yourself. It's important that you do. That's amazing. That's, a, that's true. That is true. It's making me consider. No, I actually, I wanted to, I want, actually wanted to use a doula. I just didn't think about it. I, I, I did my research a bit too late. And then I was like, oh, this would have been perfect for me. For the person mm. that I am, this is what I need. But mm. next baby, if I decide. <laughs> <laughs> the hard maybe for that oh, baby. Oh, gosh. When I, I do. We'll it see. depends. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what would you say are the top three concerns that mm -hmm. new mothers would have that you've experienced? And what would you suggest how to alleviate those issues? Mm -hmm. Well, as my background, as I had mentioned, that my background is in mindfulness as well. So meditation and movement and yoga and hypnobirthing as well. Mm -hmm. I would say the top three concerns for um, new parents is sleep deprivation. It's a real concern. Mm -hmm. Am I ever going to have enough sleep again? Is this ever going to feel normal? Um, and it can literally feel like you're losing your mind, like literally. Yeah. And it's real. It's a real thing. Sleep deprivation is a real. Th yeah. You can. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a real thing. So it should be taken seriously. Um, and so what I would say for that number one is to rest when the baby rests. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of moms who say, "I'm not used to napping." Get used to it because that's <laughs> your rest, right? Yeah. Guilty. Mm -hmm. Have people that you trust hold your baby when it's at all possible and don't take that time to be productive. Take that time to rest. It's mm -hmm. so important. So important. Um, assign jobs to somebody, a loving partner or a loved one, like ensuring that you stay hydrated is so important too with your yes. sleep deprivation because you forget, right? You're so consumed with nurturing this new being that you forget about yourself. And so mm -hmm. really, um, and these are things too that your doula can help add, um, help remind you of. So putting post-it notes in high traffic areas to remind your caretakers, which is your spouse, your partner, or a great friend, a mom, a sister, to um, remind you if you're hydrated. Something as simple as that um, mm. actually has a correlation with sleep deprivation. Because if you're dehydrated, then all sorts of things go out of whack with that. So um, implement that as, to, as well. Implement as much, as much as much as you can in your sleep routine going into it. So before you've actually delivered and put those reminders on post-it notes in high traffic areas throughout your house, remind yourself to rest, remind yourself to ask help for help to hold the baby. Um, remind yourself to actually um, not be sorry, guys, that was my alarm. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And continue and continue to uh, work with those reminders. Um, number two is a concern about being a capable mom. And this is, this is particularly true if you're a first time mom and, and, and mom to do it to me. Oh boy. Imposter syndrome is real. It's like, this is not, oh, this is a blessing. Thank you God for this gift, but I do not feel worthy. I don't feel ready. This does mm -hmm. not feel right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not alone. That is one of the most common concerns of new moms is that feeling of imposter syndrome that you so eloquently put it. 
it's exactly that because it's such a new role that we're that we're living up to and even what we perceived it to be before becoming a parent it's nothing of what it actually is once you actually are in the role right not at all so for that i really recommend um do not do not go on social media and compare yourself to the highlight reel of another mom bingo wow it's Can you say that one more time for the people in the back <laughs> do not <laughs> go on social media and compare yourself to the highlight reel of another mom Oof. yeah it comparison is the thief of joy mm. and it's like it's Words. bullshit it's not real so yes. remind yourself of that right like do not compare yourself to that um that's a that's a huge one take it super easy on yourself so just remind yourself that you're doing the best you can i i repeat a mantra and i recommend recommend this to clients is to say let it be easy and just repeat it over and over again let it be easy can be you know eliminating the brain fog in the moment of decision making because the that decision making is a heavy load that is new moms we carry all the time of, mm -hmm. should i let her cry it out should i go pick her up should i mm -hmm. should i nurse yeah. should i did i you know all that decision making um is real and it really plays on our insecurities of being a mom so let it be easy is a beautiful simple mantra to just repeat to yourself and something starts to flow so you're just introducing this um opportunity to lean into a flow rather than resisting what is um really really um what's the word i'm looking confide in someone you trust mm -hmm. so don't broadcast and, and i'm going to explain why don't broadcast um all of your grievances you know outwardly because you're not in a place to receive criticism in a place that's already so delicate and sensitive to you you really want to just um uh, share that with a few trusted or a trusted person that can hold space for the insecurities that you're having right now which is a normal part of early motherhood but mm -hmm. is not based on anything real like nothing to do be based on your own performance does that make sense yeah it does so it's there's a difference between being honest and broadcasting um your emotional well-being so mm -hmm. yeah you're not going to sugarcoat everything everything's great like that's another extreme and we talk about like being bipolar <laughs> but right like the opposite extreme yeah. of when we've all either done that or experienced someone doing that where it's like oh everything's beautiful again it comes back to the highlight reel mm -hmm. you just want a balance a balance between owning your truth and sharing um your your, your sacred truth with a trusted loved one awesome is that resonating yeah absolutely uh, that's resonating now yeah this is like <laughs> word for word okay all right <laughs> like today like two hours ago right like, now <laughs> oh like man really like oh that's that's what she's reading she's reading that book oh wow wow like she's like 19 months oh wow wow like you know already that so yeah, yeah that really that, that's really really impactful and so important for me to to marinate on mm -hmm. love that I'm happy. Um, and then another one is a, a big worry is um, harm coming to the baby, particularly in those first zero to three months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is You're not so alone. You, so you listen to the birth stories episode. Yeah. <laughs> bottom anxiety is like super real for both of us. Like I, my first three months, although I look at newborn babies and I'm like so beautiful, so adorable, that space, those first three months scare the shit out of me. My heart can take I was it. Like, seriously, I'm like, she's going to die of SIDS. Like, that's all I, yes. like, that's all I thought about all the time is every yeah. time I put her down, if I'm not looking over and checking that she's breathing, if she slept too still, I would like shake her. Yeah. Like, I would get so freaked out. Well, yeah. And the irony is that you're sleep deprived, but then the minute they actually yes. sleep for a chunk, you're like, is it because you're dead? Like you have to actually <laughs> back, right? Like, you're like, right? You're so concerned. Like, and then you wake them up and you're like, okay, no, shh. Like, it's okay. So it, it's a so, wild cycle, man. It's a wild. The mental load we carry, it's, it's, it's real. Yeah. Um, and so with that stage, just know that it will pass. Yeah. yeah. That it's, it's very common. And if it prolongs, then um, seek some professional help, whether, whatever that looks like for you. So if you need to do talk therapy or if meditation was a, a a tool that you were using prior to this go back to the tools that you've tested and 
and tried before. I'd also recommend um, rem reminding yourself in a journal, or again, I love the post-it notes, the affirmations on post-it notes in high traffic areas really works because um, you, we, two, two contrary thoughts can't exist at the same time. So if you have a negative thought and you um, put a, a positive affirmation to mm. replace it, then only one can exist. And it's easier to do that when we're in our parasympathetic nervous system. So when we, when we're in our um, rest and digest versus the sympathetic nervous system, which is fight, flight, or um, fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so when you're in your parasympathetic, when you're in your calm um, rest and digest um, state of mind, that's the best time to remind yourself of your tools that work. And then you keep those in areas so that you remind yourself to do it, whatever that is. Like if it's a short walk, if it's rest, if it's journaling, reading a book, calling a friend, um, do those things for yourself to help come back to a sense, as, as close as you can to a sense of normalcy pre-new uh, motherhood. Hmm. And that will, that will help with, you know, the fears that come up. But again, if the fears become um, a place to a place where it's uncontrollable and it's, you're having invasive thoughts, then seek professional help. And don't be ashamed of that because you're yes. not alone. Right. And, and we have to destigmatize that because um, those of us who experience that and stay silent about it, then we're not really um, building the statistics for people to understand that this is common and that yeah. hormonal and it's an influx of hormones that are rushing through the body and it's sleep deprivation and it's this new role of being the nurture and provider all of those together can be a, you know can create a postpartum depression and it's real and it should be um supported yeah definitely those i mean tips? i was i was very vocal about <laughs> you are <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, it, I, God, it was just a, such a mess, and I started getting like invasive thoughts. And I just remember when it got to that point, I called my mom, and you know, my mom has not heard of these things. No one talks about these things. But I was just like, I don't care, mom. Get this baby. <laughs> Good for get you. This baby because I'm thinking some things, and Good they were like, "What? <laughs> this?" But you know, I needed it, like. And because my mom started more physically supporting me and taking the baby and letting me, forcing me to sleep, because I was one of those people just when I nap, when she napped, I was cooking, I was mm -hmm. trying to clean, I was trying to plan, I was trying to do all sorts of things that didn't need to happen. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't getting the rest that I needed, but it's definitely like being vocal about how you're truly feeling and not just like, everything's okay today, yes. like. No, this is how this podcast came about. Like, mm -hmm. We had to tell people what was really going down. Yeah. No one talked That's about right. this stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> no one's talking about it. And uh, now we realize that <laughs> most people are going through the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And we're not alone. So this is great. These are, these are quality gems. Definitely. No, for sure. I think it, Shen is so right. I think that that's really where we were coming from when we decided to do this. And like I said, like, I'm very vocal about the fact that I was very reluctant <laughs> about doing it. But then I thought about the fact that like, you know, how great it would have been for me to see more women and hear more women that look like me sharing those things. Like, I feel like, you know, lots, I've read lots of books and I've listened to podcasts and other things mm -hmm. of like, you know, white women sharing their stories. And that helped. It definitely it helped. But it was like it was. It felt odd, and um, uh, I felt that there was there is it's this level of like distance between yourself and, and and you know and the person that you're listening to, and it's like it's very alienate like alienating to not see black women and you know Caribbean of Caribbean descent talking about things that are taboo, right? Like uh, mental illness and like postpartum anxiety and depression and, and all those different feelings. So I love that we did this, and I love that you know what you're saying is so affirming. Like yeah. everything that you're saying is really, like, it's really, really affirming. Cause although I'm not in that place, you know, with everything that you've said thus far, I was there mm -hmm. and it's nice to know that like, no, like it's not weird. It's not strange. Yeah. We were there and that it was okay to be there. Um, yeah. And here's how, if you're ever there again, how, here's how you can get support. So thank you so much. I love that. Well, thank you so much because it takes vulnerability to show up. And as you said, particularly in the black space, like a black community. Mm -hmm. it, the, again, it's, it's kind of, um, 
the stigma is that sort of everything that we're coping really well with everything. Yeah. Right. And that we have the ability to endure things beyond, um, beyond what's actually self-serving and beneficial. And so when you guys show up raw and real like this, it gives women, um, women and all women and Mm -hmm. particularly women of color permission Mm -hmm. to do the same. And then it begins to normalize these, these conversations so that someone who's suffering right now and you, Mm -hmm. I mean, if that, if this reaches one mom who, whose day is made lighter from this conversation and from Mm -hmm. the platform that you're offering, then you have been of service. And the ripple effect of that is that she will then show up more raw and real in her life to the women that are observing her and it will continue. And so it's, it's massive. It's really important. It's really important work. Mm -hmm. Hey us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm gaining so much from this myself. Every episode that we do is very true it's so uplifting and I feel so much growth and like even this conversation that we're having right now, it's, it's helping me realize like how much I can support other people in my life as well. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how I was with when other friends were pregnant, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I wish that I could have been that kind of support system for them. But again, like things aren't talked about and who knows if they were suffering or needed help or, you know, needed that soundboard to Mm -hmm. release their feelings, you know? So again, this is why we put these things out there because this needs to be talked about a lot more often. It's such a common thing. We we give birth, we go through this process. It's a natural thing. So we need to talk about the whole process. Exactly. I almost forgot. There's one more question that Mm -hmm. one of our listeners sent to you and I wanted you to answer because they were so gracious enough to actually send this question. Um, so their question is, what is your advice for pregnant women that are dealing with, and I'm not sure how, if I'm saying this, um, Rheumat- correctly, rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, um, you want to be in close proximity with your medical provider and really informing yourself about, um, the risks, risks and benefits of the current medication that you're taking and any kind of, um, modifications that you need to make to ensure a safe pregnancy all the way through. Um, and then you want to, again, work in close proximity proximity with your medical provider to um, ensure the right therapies that you've been doing using um, pre, prenatally and what you can continue um, with and what it, it's there. There has been um, information that shows that the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis tend to actually decrease in pregnancy. So the inflammation and things like that go down. Um, so you, a, a big component of that is to have your, to continue to having um, measurable, like measuring where you are with the condition and supporting yourself accordingly and ensuring that everything is safe to you and your um, fetus. And then you want to, you know, just as you would, um, if you weren't pregnant, you want to keep yourself comfortable. You want to really prioritize your, your mental health and your emotional well-being. So relying on your support systems, what, what, like I would ask you, what are you doing currently right now that is part of your self-care um, regimen? So whether that is uh, meditation, prayer, baths, essential oils, journaling, um, ensure that you have your tools close and use them because this will be a particularly unique time um, through your pregnancy that with this autoimmune disease that you are heading into. So just ensure to use all the resources you have to really support yourself on an emotional as well as physical level. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Aliyah, you are a gem. Yeah. (laughs) And an absolute light to the world and to the industry. So you have to tell everybody that's listening where they can find you, source all of your content, your knowledge, your expertise. Because listen to me, you're making me want to have a baby tonight. Should I make one tonight? (laughs) Could I? (laughs) Just like (laughs) I feel like I should do it. I know Leon's gonna be down. (laughs) He's always down to practice, but I'm just thinking, like, you know what? I want to have a baby. (laughs) So yeah, please tell us, give us your, all your info. Thank you so much. On Instagram, you can find me at molobaby.ca 
and you can find my website at www.molobaby.ca. And then email is aliyah at molo.ca. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Well, guys, you heard it. Check it out for all our pregnant listeners. <laughs> this is taking our content because this was so helpful. We've already had our children, but this yeah, is what I need. Mo. Don't worry. Don't listen to Chanel, guys. She's going to go back for one more. <laughs> listen, guys. <laughs> one more game. <laughs> Even for prospective mothers, like for friends, my some of like our like listeners who aren't mothers yet, or yeah. you know, and are looking like if this is just content because it's like it's so good, like you don't know what you don't know, right? And right. I think like you can never know too much, and I love like the idea of doing a little bit of research even you know prior to having a baby. So this for is sure. awesome, awesome, awesome! What a great, fantabulous episode. So excited. friends, you're you heard it. <laughs> How so many friends. times do we got to ask them to do it? <laughs> Listen, guys. Check out our website. Yes. Contact us. Send us your bomb mom noms. Also, <laughs> listen to our episodes there. Mm-hmm. And also, friends, we got merch. We got we do. mediums, smalls, large, extra large, all of them. T-shirts need to go. <laughs> they do, friends. Listen, fall is coming. And you know, fall will be fall will be here. Winter is coming. Oh God! Don't say that. No, don't say that. Listen, when this episode posts, winter will be coming. I don't know why I did this because I'm like, am I prepping for fall? But the other day, I was leaving my house and I had my bomb mom shirt on and jeans, and I threw on my leather jacket. And what a look! It was such a cute outfit. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna outfit it and put it on. I make a boomerang. Like, Go ahead. <laughs> you guys are joking. You need to get you a bomb mom t-shirt, a black moms matter t-shirt. Yes. If you don't want to get one for yourself for whatever crazy reason, they make amazing gifts. So get one for somebody else. Gift someone that you know that's an incredible mother um, with a t-shirt. They'll love it. Absolutely. Um, but with that being said, friends, it was nice chatting with y'all. But nap time is over. And we'll we'll have to see you guys in our next episode. All right. Bye, friends. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.